0: Cats at night. Now, here's John Katsimatidis.
1: I am proud to say that with us today is uh, the 45th president of the United States. Uh, We have uh, President Donald Trump. And uh, uh, Mr. President, tell us, what are the things that keep you up at night right now?
0: Well, that's a very interesting question. Haven't been asked that question that way in a long time. First of all, hello, John, and you've been my friend for a long time, and I'm proud of you, the job you've done. Really proud. Everybody is. Uh, We look at what's going on in the world, and I think more than anything else, I think we could end up in World War III, and it could be uh, all of the horrible things that took place in Ukraine. Looks like it's going to happen in China with Taiwan, as you know, and you see what's going on over there, but. What's happened in Ukraine should have never, ever happened, and now the word nuclear is being discussed, and I think that's one of the most dangerous things. That's uh, I think we're at the most dangerous time, maybe in in many, many years, maybe ever, because of the power of nuclear. For a major nation that's equal with us on nuclear power to be throwing around the word cavalierly like nuclear. Is, uh, is a very bad time, a very bad time for this country and a very bad and a very dangerous time for the world, John. Uh,
1: people are saying, and whether it's your friends or, or not your friends, they all say, well, I guess if, uh, if President Trump was still president, that Putin will not have entered the Ukraine. What say you about that?
0: It would have never happened that he would have done that. It would have never happened. I spoke to him. I got along with him very well. I spoke to him. I understood him. He understood me probably, but I understood him well, and he would have never done it. And he didn't do it, John. You know, four years plus a long campaign, he never did it and never contemplated doing it at that time. And I think, frankly, with the travesty in Afghanistan, the way we got out, I think he looked at that, and he looked at the leadership, looked at— what happened with the military, where we moved our military out first, left $85 billion, John. You know what billion is better than anybody. $85 billion worth of the best equipment, military equipment in the world, left American citizens, left uh, dead soldiers. Think of it, dead soldiers. It was such a disaster. I think it was the most embarrassing and horrible moment just about the most embarrassing moment in the history of our country. I think Putin saw that, but he would have never done it. That would have never been a problem. He was not going to go into Ukraine and he understood the consequences, but now he's there and you're gonna have hundreds of thousands of people die. And and uh, you've already had far greater than the numbers they're broadcasting. When they wipe out cities like they're doing, you're not losing three people. They'll so say two people died and you know nine buildings were knocked down, two people died. It's much worse than anybody knows. And this is something that would have never happened, John.
1: We talked—we uh, uh, brought up Afghanistan just now, and and we left uh, $85 billion worth of equipment behind. Uh, we left back at the, uh, our old Air Force base that the Chinese are using now as a base, right. I guess. And uh, it, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any no. sense that uh, this all happened. No. What, what say no. you about that? I mean, it's just— Crazy. I mean, the generals themselves, uh, they haven't stood up and said this was crazy?
0: It doesn't make sense, John, and a lot of things don't make sense. Uh, inflation doesn't make sense, totally unnecessary. That was caused by oil. That was caused by energy prices. Now it's caused by everything. Now it's beyond that. But you look at that. Open borders don't make sense, John. I mean, you probably sit there as somebody with great common sense and very smart and you probably looked at that and say, it's not possible that somebody could want to do this. We have millions of people pouring into our country. We have no idea where they're from. And many of them come from prisons from lots of other countries. They're prisoners, and they're they're hardened, uh, dangerous people. And, you know, that doesn't make sense. And no voter ID doesn't make sense. I mean, who would think no voter ID? Even the Democrats want voter ID, but they don't want to have voter ID. A lot of things don't make sense, John, but certainly— Uh, the way we got out, where we took our soldiers out first. And remember, when I was there, 18 months, not one American soldier was killed. And they understand you can't do that. And I'm the one that got it started to get us out because we've been there for 21 years. But to leave Bagram, now Bagram is the base you're talking about, and that's one hour away from the Chinese nuclear plant. That's where they make their nuclear weapons. So they're one hour away in Bagram. And now China, from what I'm hearing... China has either taking it over or will take it over. I wasn't going to keep that for Afghanistan. I was going to keep that because of China. So I would have never given that. That cost billions of dollars many years ago to build a perfect location for us in terms of China, forgetting about Afghanistan. And we gave that up, and now China is occupying it, or at least partially occupying it. Soon they will occupy the whole thing. Largest, most powerful runways in the world. You have to see this place. This was built to stay, and the Chinese have it now.
1: The DEA, you talked about drugs. The DEA has said to me on my show that 140,000 Americans have died in the last 12 months. From fentanyl right. being shipped by China through Mexico. Yep. Now, uh, in Vietnam, Korea, and Afghanistan, we only lost, uh, I mean, it was tragic, but we lost 107,000 over the years. And one year we lost 140,000. Is that the Chinese art of mm-hmm. war?
0: I think what's happened is the number is a lot higher than that. I think it's 250,000, and that doesn't include all the families that are just totally destroyed because of the drugs pouring through the southern border. So two years ago, when I was president, we had the strongest southern border in the history of our country by far. And we had it down to a trickle. And now it's record-setting numbers every week. It gets worse and worse. And that includes human trafficking. That includes drugs, the drugs pouring through the country. We had that so far down, it hasn't been like that. It hasn't been like, like that for in history. It hasn't been like that. So now what happens is they opened up the border. The day one, they opened up the border. I built a tremendous amount of wall. I then and we finished it, and then I was going to build additional, and we started it three weeks that we would have had an additional, almost 200 miles of wall. And they said, no, we're not going to build it. They didn't want to do it. They told contractors right in the middle of the job, don't do it. And I said, they really do want open borders. So they want open borders. And through open borders come drugs. And the drugs have never been as bad as they are now. So we had great, I mean, relatively speaking, great numbers on drugs. And the only way you're going to stop the drugs, John, is death penalty for drug dealers. Drug dealers kill five people during their lives. In other words, a drug dealer on average kills 500 people, not to talk about the destruction of families. And the only way you're going to stop it is to have death penalty for drug dealers. Otherwise, it's just a game of blue ribbon committees. You know what more about blue ribbon committees than anybody. And they're not going to stop anything. You need the death penalty. If you look at countries where they have like China, they have the death penalty. They have no drug problem. Singapore, they have the death penalty. They have no drug problem. You're never going to stop drugs unless you have the death penalty. Our way of I hate the- to say it, too, John. I hate to say it. It sounds so harsh. But but it's, uh, you know, if if you think of it, if one drug dealer kills during the course of his life, his or her life, 500 people, then it's actually a very, very good thing and a very nice thing. We're going to save a lot of lives. But there's no these committees that form and. A lot of them are people that you know. They're dilettantes, and they're debutantes, and they're people that you don't—you know, that don't know a thing about this and don't really want to know. A lot of them are on there for publicity purposes. If you don't have the death penalty for drug dealers, you'll never stop. If you do, if it's a meaningful death penalty for drug dealers, you will knock out 85 percent of the crime in this country in one day.
1: Well, I'm going to switch to New York for 10 seconds, or maybe a little longer— Uh, I've been told by the NYPD, the police commissioner, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, there's three thousand repeat violent criminals uh, in New York. Repeat violent criminals. In other words, I don't care about the guy that comes and steals a loaf of bread because they're hungry, but violent criminals that have been arrested five times, ten times, fifteen times, and I, I've said to the people in Albany, why? Why are we not defending and talking for the 8.5 million New Yorkers that love New York and we're defending the 3,000 repeat violent yeah. criminals? And you're a New Yorker right. all your life. Tell us. I mean, does it make any sense at all?
0: So sad what's happened to New York. New York State. I mean, you look at this Letitia James. She's a disaster. Uh, she spends years going after me. uh, that she said, oh, I may be misrepresented to banks, which, frankly, I didn't. And all of her staff, the number of people, and, and she goes after me. on. By the way, banks that are fully paid, they're totally satisfied, happy. They got their money back. All the money. In the man, and in the meantime, we have murderers going down, walking down the street. It's just horrible. She's a horror show. She's so bad. She doesn't care about violent crime. She doesn't care about anything except trying to use Trump's name to get elected, and she's a disaster, and everybody knows that she's done a terrible job. But people like her, Letitia James, are causing a tremendous problem in New York, and New York's not the same place. I have so many friends, they don't want to go there anymore, and they're leaving New York. You're staying. You're one of the people that are staying. But people are leaving New York by the tens of thousands. And you have a lot of wealthy people leaving New York, and they're the ones that give it the money so that it can function. And if this continues, I don't know what's going to happen to New York. But you go down the streets and you look at the state and just not New York City. It's all over the state. The crime is just incredible in Democrat-run areas. And Letitia James has done absolutely nothing on violent crime. She wants nothing to do with it. I worry. It's a disaster.
1: I worry about our city. I worry about our yeah. state. I worry about our country. And uh, the world, we're in a deep uh, doo-doo. I mean, is the nicest way to say it. Um, we're under attack in so many. They want to change our way of life in America. Right. Our religion is That's under it. attack, our borders are under attack, our, our education system. we number. Uh-huh. Our kids are number 25 or 26 in the world in education. Who in the world is smart enough to attack us on so many fronts?
0: So I believe it's much more than socialism. I think it's communism. If you look at what's going on in our country and you look at what's happening in some of our in mo- almost all of our Democrat-run cities, virtually all, look at L.A., look at Chicago, look at what's happening in Chicago, look at New York, look at what's happening at, at in cities within New York State. I mean, you go up to the various cities in New York State, it's like it's a horror show, and it's—there's uh, got to be law and order. It's very simple. There's got to be law and order— when you, you started off by saying it doesn't make sense, these things, because from a common sense standpoint, you know, you're a conservative guy, but you're really a person with common sense. And, and me, too. If people say you're conservative, I said I'm common sense. you got to have borders. You have to have this. You have to have that. But if you don't stop, what this is like a crime wave. People don't want to go to these cities anymore. They don't want to go to New York. They're afraid to go to a restaurant. Women are afraid to put on jewelry because it's going to be stolen right off their necks. They, I mean, literally, women now. You go to restaurants; they're afraid to wear jewelry, and uh, it's it's so sad what's happened to, you know, places. Frankly, like New York and like Chicago, and big, big chunks of our city and our beautiful, shining cities. These cities that were were the talk of the world are being just decimated. And if it doesn't stop fast, John, it's never. You're never going to be able to bring them back.
1: I agree that we are in deep trouble. Um, tell us, you know, we're down. I know you have time constraints, uh, is the fact that, uh, North America, we can produce and mean, you have talked about it. twenty twenty one million barrels a day, along with uh, Canada. We're only producing, right. uh, 14, 13, 14, no, together with Canada, 16, maybe, um, if, if North America was opened up to oil, the price of oil would go way down and there won't right. be – and interest rates, there wouldn't be a reason to raise interest rates because the price of oil will go down. That's what was driving everything. Right now, they're raising interest rates to such a degree where they're going to take the whole real estate industry and bankrupt, bankrupt it.
0: And by the way, Russia would stop because it would go down from a hundred dollars and even more than that a barrel down to forty dollars. You know I had it at forty dollars, which was like a perfect number. Oil companies could make money, but they could produce a lot and people you know we were at a dollar eighty seven think of it in cars. I even got it down to a dollar fifty or dollar forty nine at one point, but we had to save the oil companies too. you know they have to make something, but we had it down to a dollar eighty seven uh, one of the things I was most proud about, many things, because we did a lot, the biggest tax cuts in history, the biggest uh, regulation cuts in history, right to try. You know what right to try is? The medicines, all the medicines that people are terminally ill, they could use them as opposed to not being able to use them because it would have taken five years to approve. But one of the things I was most uh, proud of was we became energy independent for the first time in 74 years. They say 74. I think it's probably ever But 74 years, we became energy independent, and we were soon going to be energy dominant. We would have been bigger than Russia and Saudi Arabia combined, and even much bigger than that. We would have taken care of Europe. We would have had numbers that would have been incredible. And you wouldn't have had a war. You wouldn't have had to talk to Putin, because the numbers would not have allowed him to do what he's done. Because at, at $100 a barrel, the money he makes is so enormous, he can afford to fight a war. That should have never started regardless of that. It should have, and it would have never started. So I was very proud of that, John. And you're right. If if we let our, like I did, if you did just the exact same policies as I did, you know, one of the things I did, I filled up the uh, National Strategic Reserves. And first time in 54 years that it was filled up, it was loaded right to the top. He comes in and he starts taking the oil, turning it into gasoline, so that he gets a better number, a little bit lower number for the election. It wasn't meant for that. It was meant for military purposes. It was meant for the security of our country. I had it filled up. I bought 75 million barrels and you know how much that is. And I got it at a low price because I bought it at just about the low. So we paid very little for it and we filled it up. That's why I, I did it. I said, tell me about the strategic reserves. They weren't filled up for decades and decades. I fill it up, and now, you probably read yesterday, they're at the lowest point that they've been at for, I think, over 50 years because he's taken all of what we did, and they're subsidizing because they want to have good numbers for the election. And after the election, John, you know this better than anybody because you're in that business along with a lot of other businesses, but after the election, John, oil prices are going to skyrocket. Because you're not going to be able to take it from the strategic reserve. And he anymore.
1: announced uh, uh, this morning or yesterday that he wants to sell the strategic reserves completely and use the money uh, to uh, to subsidize uh, uh, electric energy.
0: That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. And by the way, the electric cars don't go very long. I have friends that bought electric cars. They don't want to because they can only drive for two hours. They, You know, they want to take a trip. They can't stop. They don't want to stop and have it charged for four hours. The whole thing is crazy what we're doing. You know the other thing? We are sitting on top of liquid gold. We have 500 years' worth of energy at our feet, and we make it clean and natural gas, which is clean. But we have years. We have we have such a – more than anybody else, more than any country. When they go electric, the batteries – China has all of the material that go into the batteries, and we have virtually none of it. So they're taking our advantage of oil, and they're moving it to China's advantage so China can have all the electric at once because its earth gives them what you need for a battery. Ours doesn't. We are playing right into their hands. It's the most incredible thing. But just let the market determine. You know, right now we only have like 4% or 3% electric cars. They want to force everybody to have electric cars. And we don't don't have the grid. We
1: don't have the grid.
0: We don't have the grid. President uh, number, Trump. Number one, we don't have the grid. Yeah. You're right about that.
1: We, we're we out of time. Your your staff told me that you have uh, a few other things to do, but I appreciate the, the call. <laughs> and the fact is that we'd love to have you on again because me and you could discuss so many things. It's unbelievable.
0: We could go for a long time, you and I. And, know. I, and uh, you know, hopefully yeah. there'll be a time when we can be proud instead of just being talking about how bad things are. But our country's never been in a worse position than it is right now. And just look at the stock market. Tell your listeners to take a good look at their 401ks, which are down, in some cases, 50% from what they were two years ago. So, you know, it's, uh, it's very sad to see what's happening to our country. We Jeff. both love
1: America, and we want a better America. Thank you so much for everything you've done and comp- continue to speak out for our country. God bless you, and God bless America.
0: Thank you very much, John. Say hello to Margo. Thank you very much. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network.